You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 487 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Shami Tamita is a junior dev who used to work in restaurants, hand pulling noodles and crafting vegan gluten-free pastries before jumping into tech. After completing a coding bootcamp, they became an opportunity scholar for RubyConf 2022 and has contributed since to open source projects to Ruby for Good and the Agency of Learning. When they aren't writing code or revamping their workout program, Shami enjoys thinking up new recipes just as much as they like eating. Originally from Mexico and raised in San Antonio, Texas, Shami currently lives in Philadelphia with their husband, Jose, and their pet cat, Milo. And in four days, we'll be transitioning into their first full-time tech role as an engineering apprentice with Google. Daniel Rassiner is a software engineer who specializes in Ruby on Rails. Daniel is also a partial career transitioner getting a bachelor's degree in web and graphic design, but fully transitioning into a full-stack developer. Daniel did so by attending Block, in which he met Dave. Daniel has since reconnected with Dave and helps mentor at the Agency of Learning. Daniel has worked open source for many years, primarily contributing to Kitsu and now helping lead the Agency of Learning's internal tool, Pair App. Daniel's parents were originally from South Africa, but moved to California where Daniel was born and raised. Daniel currently lives in Orange County. Eric Halverson is an early career Ruby on Rails developer with the Agency of Learning. Eric has a history of turning his hobbies into professions, starting in software as a freelance web developer after finding the view source command in the browser menu. Later, he would find a home teaching operating systems and networking courses to adult career changers. Most recently, Eric has worked in customer-facing roles within the business intelligence industry. Prior to his career in software, Eric's paid hobbies include working as a trumpet player, naturalist at large, whitewater rafting guide, and professional juggler. Eric lives in California with his wife, Jennifer, and their cat, Missy, and enjoys hiking, biking, trail running, and playing chess. And finally, returning from episode 473, Cody Norman is back. We have a whole crew today, and we are here to talk about Rails World. So starting with each of you, how did you all get involved with Rails World? I got into Rails World through the Agency of Learning. So Eric and I, we were working on the CASA track. So in the Agency of Learning, we have two tracks for agents, for members. And one of them is for the internal tool pair app that Daniel leads. And Eric and I were part of the CASA track, which Cody leads. And the CASA, that's the Ruby for Goods CASA project. And I originally actually got into the agency through my work with CASA. Uh, Dave jumped into working with CASA a little bit. And then from there, we connected. And during my time at the agency, he ended up pinging me, asking me if I'd be interested in working on the Rails World Conference app. And it seemed like kind of the biggest project I've had the chance to work with. So I knew I just had to take the opportunity to dive into it. So that's how I got into the uh, Rails World app. Excellent. How about you, Eric? I think I heard Dave on a podcast with you and maybe somewhere else as well, but that's I think the one I remember. And at the time, he wasn't talking about the agency of learning. He had just started his own podcast on, and he had a couple of junior developers on with him that he had hired. And I listened to that podcast as well. A lot of times I'll hear about the people from your podcast first, and then I'll go find them later. So I think that's what happened. And then I saw a post, somebody on Twitter posted that the agency of learning was looking for people. And so I approached Dave, I think through Twitter initially, 
and then found a, an application and applied online. And then Dave contacted me and I started with a group. And it's funny, it turns out that I had also been working with reading club group that was started by Julie from Ruby for All. And two of the members who were in that reading group also had been brought into agency of learning that I didn't know about at the time. And then, yeah, they've selected us for the Railsville app. Okay, Daniel, you've been mentioned a couple times, so we'd love to hear how you got involved. I got involved originally, as, as you said earlier, when I met Dave at Mark, and then kind of seven years later now, eight years, we kind of reconnected again. And from there, he's asked me if I wanted to come on as a mentor. Wasn't much of a description of what I'll be doing. He's just like, I have an idea. I want to be able to train juniors to be ready for the real world. And I said, great, I'd love to help and mentor them because I think it's just an interesting thing to do. And then during that time, I led the internal app, the Para, and I kind of came up with a whole process of how to get people to buy in, build technical documentation, and this impressed Dave. So he asked me to be one of the tech leads then for the Rails world. Okay, and returning favorite from the barbecue world, Cody, how did you get involved? Yeah, so on the last episode, I spoke a little bit about how I kind of initially got involved with the, the agency learning. But as far as the actual Rails world app, this was something that was kind of in the works for probably a couple months. I believe that I specifically wrote a note to myself on my desk to not mention it when we recorded our episode because it was still about to be announced, not really sure. But, you know, a lot of things that had kind of fell into place at the right time. And I remember when Dave was kind of putting together the initial proposal to send over about us being able to do it, Daniel and I had a chance to kind of contribute to that and see what some of the requirements were, or what they were looking for, and if it was something that we could deliver. So we both signed off on it. And here we are today. That's so great. So I would love to hear somebody talking about your experience of working on the Railsroad application. I'd love to first hear from the developers and I'd love to hear the mentor experience. Yeah, I mean, it was really an amazing project. I was so excited to be selected, an honor to be selected. And it was a lot of work. It was scary at first. Like it was a big project and it was like, this is a real world app with real world users and a tight timeline. So we basically kind of pulled the whole thing off in about six weeks, thereabouts. And so for me, it was a nice flow. We kind of set everything up in sort of two week sprints. We met with Dave as kind of product manager or project manager and Amanda as a stakeholder and Katja as the designer and all of us as a team. Shami and I sort of figured out, okay, we got two weeks. We're going to do a demo in two weeks of showing our progress. What's our appetite for these two weeks? And we just kind of jumped on it. We didn't really have a chance to sort of discuss or figure out ahead of time what our plan was going to be, like how we were going to approach it. I was kind of excited about doing Rails new and doing the initial commit. Shami said, okay, I'm going to jump on users and authentication. And then I said, okay, great. I'll work on speakers and talks. And we just took something on ourselves and just kind of kept working at it. And, and then Shami and I would, as the two week demo period got close, we would get together and say, okay, what's the storyline that we want to tell? How are we going to kind of talk through for as our demo, what we've accomplished? And then we did that. And then after the demo part, we would discuss, okay, what's next? What's outstanding? What, what do we need to focus on? And then we'd dive back in and put our heads down for two weeks. So we kind of definitely divided and conquered the whole thing. And then we'd just show up and touch base with each other along the way as needed. It was an amazing experience. Shami, would you like to add anything? Eric is 100% right with how he described everything. It was so scary starting it. At the first meeting with Amanda of the Real Foundation, 
So meeting with stakeholder, Dave, who was acting as our PM, our meeting our designer and having Cody and Daniel and Eric and I all on like that first meeting, I was like, oh my God, this is really happening. And so it's been, yeah, an incredible experience just being able to experience development, what professional development feels like firsthand with this kind of like team with really real stakes. I still can't fathom that more than 600 people could potentially be using this app for the upcoming conference. And even right now, we're just at around 40 users and it just kind of makes me want to scream internally. (laughs) But yeah, it's been an awesome experience. And I did think that Eric and I were going to like pair together more because I'd like to think that we were pairing buddies during CASA and when we were first starting out at AOL at the Agency of Learning. And so... It did end up just being like, okay, we really were just in our own little world because the time sprints were really crazy, but they were great motivators. And towards the end, we actually ended up having one week sprints that then became two day sprints. And overall, just like the experience of being able to like have these deadlines and being able to meet them was an incredible experience. I love that. I truly believe that the best learning comes from when others have expectations on you. When I graduated from Block, I've talked about this on the show. I entered hackathons with nonprofits and then those nonprofits expected me to keep writing code. And so I felt very enamored with the projects. I felt like I needed to grow my skill set in order to grow with the nonprofit. So it is really awesome that you two got to work together on this opportunity. Do you currently use one service for uptime monitoring, another one for error tracking, another for status pages, and yet another to monitor your cron jobs and microservices? Paying for all those services separately may be costing you way more than you think. If you want to simplify your stack and lower your bills, it's time to check out HoneyBadger. HoneyBadger combines all of those services into one easy-to-use platform. It's everything you need to keep production healthy and your customers happy. Best of all, HoneyBadger is free for small teams and setup takes as little as five minutes. Get started today at honeybadger.io. That is honeybadger.io. Thank you to HoneyBadger for their continued support of the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'd love to hear from Cody and Daniel. What was your experience mentoring during this app build? Mentoring for this Rails world was a very unique experience because I'd not done much mentoring beforehand. I've done a bit at like my previous jobs, but this was the one where I felt like I had like a large say and hey, this is the right way to do something or this is the better approach and being able just to teach them real world situations, what type of issues we get into and how to solve them. And then also just being able to work in an asynchronous fashion, the, uh, the design docs and have them learn about writing down their thoughts and then having people review their thoughts and give, and buying into how they're doing stuff rather than just going headfirst in all the time and just hoping it's correct. Yeah. So for me, even having a decent amount of mentorship experience and tech lead stuff in the past, this is still completely different than anything I've ever worked on in the past. So it was definitely interesting. I think there are a few things that make it very different than a lot of the other things I've worked on. One is the pretty hard deadline. We can't push this conference back. And also... A lot of us have kind of been following along and seeing all the work that Amanda has been doing over the months to get this thing from zero to a worldwide conference. And any big delays would push back her schedule and lump more things on her to deal with. So hitting the deadline 
was really important. One of the other things I really tried to focus on is push as many decisions as possible to Eric and Xiaomi. I wanted them to be able to get as much experience as possible and kind of try to act as the lifeguard. I'm here to bail everyone out and direct you. But overall, I tried to basically commit as little code as possible. So I really wanted them to to be able to get the experience. And yeah, they totally stepped up and delivered. I love that approach so much because you're new to working with them. And so you don't know what they can handle, but you've almost put some guardrails in, right? giving them challenge opportunities. And I think that is a unique skill set of being able to look at an engineer, look at the task at hand, and you want it to be just out of their grasp. Like in order to grow, you don't always want to be doing the same tasks over and over again. You definitely want that challenge task. Now, this is the Ruby on Rails podcast, so we have to get into the tech stack. So who can explain to me like the overall tech stack of the app that you built? Obviously, Ruby on Rails app. We're using Postgres as our database. We're using Minitest as the testing suite, and we're using Tailwind CSS as our styling choice. And other than that, we try to stay as true as possible to the sort of vanilla Rails approach. We are using Chris Oliver Gems, which is really great for a few different features, mostly kind of JavaScript components around sort of Tailwind and Stimulus. And we're very conscious from the beginning of trying to use as much from the Rails community as possible. I know Cody has added some things that we also tried to either, if we were using services, tried to find either somebody that is on the board of directors for the Rails Foundation or sponsors and that sort of thing. And I think that, again, Cody might be able to add more on the server side. One of the things that I have been handling with the conference app is a lot of the kind of production items. So mailer services, where we're going to deploy, how we're going to handle deploys, error tracking, any type of instrumentation that we may need. And I think every developer kind of has their default set of services and gems that they they normally go to. But being Rails World, I wanted to kind of look towards the community to see how many Rails apps we could possibly use to build and run this Rails app. So it worked out great. We are currently deploying on Hashbox. The app is running on a server through DigitalOcean located in Amsterdam. We are using MailPace, which is formerly OhMySMTP for our transactional mailers. That was a recommendation of Amanda. Apparently they're still using Rails, which was all we needed to hear. So being able to build this app for the community that is largely composed of projects from the community and ran by those members, I think was something that really wanted to focus on and really happy with how everything came out. I appreciate that. I love the approach that Rails World overall just took around using products that are natively built in Ruby on Rails. I just thought that was such a cool approach that Amanda and the team decided to take. Now we have juniors on the show. We love juniors on the Ruby on Rails podcast. And so of course, the juniors that are listening out there Would anyone like to share any thoughts around growing junior developers in the current community? I think it's a really important topic. And it was one that was a big part of the reason I was attracted to this community. Uh, I can say your podcast, Brittany, is the first thing I heard of in the community. So that was my very first. I was looking for any podcast I could find on Ruby on Rails. And I found yours first. And so I was became a devout listener and was listening to all the newest episodes when they came out and then going through the backlog between new episodes. And I was impressed with that there was even a talk about 
being interested in growing juniors, being interested in developing juniors and hiring juniors. That seemed to be a really, it's probably around the same time where that topic kind of showed up quite a bit. And it was obvious that both from your perspective as, as well as the vast, if not all the guests that you had on the show talked about it and expressed that it was important to them. And that was really, for me, an important part of my decision to, because I was coming up through the sort of process and learning HTML and CSS and JavaScript, lots of node in the JavaScript world. I had read from Chris Pine once upon a time about Ruby developer happiness. And then all of you and all the guests talked about how nice the community was. And so that got me excited about it. One of the things that I found, and I learned something from Julie again from Ruby for All, is she really put a lot of attention on learning a community. And I got a lot from that. And so when she kind of formed her little group of people, which actually I think all of the people that originally started that group or had moved on to agency of learning as well. And we've brought Shami in too. That approach has been really great. So when Dave reached out also about, or when I approached Dave and he reached back, again, it was another community to be involved with. So, so I think there's something to be said as a junior to jump into as many communities as you can. And that includes like listening to the podcasts and getting involved on social media. I started following all the people that I'd heard about on these podcasts, including the remote Ruby. I started listening to that podcast and reached out to those folks. And I reached out to Julie because I was listening to that podcast. And so just getting involved as much as possible with the people that are in the community. And I think that like to say that the people that are writing books and doing courses and writing articles and doing podcasts are community promoters. So I wanted to get involved with the community promoters and promote them. So a lot of my posts, I figured in the beginning when I got started, I didn't have any technical chops to have any, I didn't feel like I had anything to offer in terms of my tweets, but I could say, Hey, I listened to this great podcast and got a lot out of it and promote the promoters. And so I think that that's been really helpful. And I think getting involved in the community in every way you can while you're learning the technical skills, I think is huge in terms of growing yourself in the community. I'll go on record, Eric, and say that you're one of my favorite people on social media because you are so positive and you are so willing to share everything that everyone's producing. I mean, at this point, I'm fairly certain that your Twitter or X feed could be a newsletter in itself of just what's going on in the community, which is really cool. Atento. Ruby developers, the Rocky Mountain Ruby Conference returns to Boulder, Colorado on October 5th and 6th. Join us for two days of insightful talks from experienced Ruby developers and plenty of opportunities to connect with your Ruby community. But that's not all. Nestled on the edge of the breathtaking Rocky Mountains, Boulder is a haven for outdoor lovers of all stripes. Take a break from coding, come learn and enjoy at the conference and explore the charm of downtown Boulder. Eclectic shops, first class restaurants and bars and incredible street art everywhere. Immerse yourself in the vibrant culture and the many microbrew pubs that Boulder has to offer. Grab your tickets now at RockyMountainRuby.dev and be a part of the 2023 Rocky Mountain Ruby Conference. That's RockyMTNRuby.dev, October 5th and 6th in Boulder. See you there. Now, Shami, we talked at the beginning of the episode that you will be starting as an engineering apprentice at Google. And so, of course, the juniors out there want to hear, do you have any hiring tips for junior developers? Oh, my God. Yeah. So I think that the number one thing that helped me, I guess, want to feel like I'm actually kind of ready and actually believing myself that I'm ready for a role in tech is exactly just what Eric was talking about community. 
because to kind of talk about my background a little bit, one, I like to think of myself as an introvert, I guess, but I've actually had to push myself a lot in terms of just kind of getting to this point. And I did my boot camp remote and self-paced. So I was very disconnected from other engineers. And I think what really pushed me and pushed my work to this point to where I feel like I'm ready is one, being able to go to RubyConf and getting to connect with as many engineers as I possibly could. And then that kind of led me to actually kind of working with others in a productive manner through Ruby for Good and through AOL. And so it's one, being part of uh, that community and being engaged. But I guess the other part of it is you have to be really proactive. You have to be brave and fight through any sort of walls that you have because then you can like actually grow. So for me, engaging with community and being proactive is what are what really, I think, helped me like believe that I could do it. And that kind of like confidence, I think, eventually translated into my interviews. And I'd like to think helped me get to the role I got. That's wonderful. I appreciate you sharing that advice. Now, I'm assuming all four of you are going to Rails World. And I'm curious, Who's a conference veteran? Does anyone have any advice about getting the most out of a conference that you're headed to? Because we are truly headed into conference season again. So I don't know if I would necessarily call myself a conference veteran, but I think I've been to a few different types and sizes and varieties of conference to kind of have my own checklist for how to get the most out of them. One is just be, like Jamie said, be proactive, go up and meet people. Ruby conferences are the one place where you could probably just walk up to any person standing around, especially someone who looks like they may be solo or just got there, maybe not know anyone there yet. Just walk up and introduce yourself. Some of my best connections and people that I've met have just come from these kind of random meetings that you tend to have at the conference. So putting yourself in a situation to where you can make more of those happen, I think is probably the easiest way to get the most out of the whole conference experience. Yeah. And Cody gave me a lot of advice. I went to the RailsConf in Atlanta and Cody shared a lot of things with me about this kind of same sort of thing. And and I was able to try to impart or to try out all the things he said. So I took advantage of all of his ideas and did my best to implement them. And I would say that making friends is a huge thing. If you can get out there and make friends with people and hang out in the evening and go to evening events and hang out at the places where all the people are at and more people. I think that's a big part of the experience. I think I would also say also just that it's okay to take a break. Sometimes you need to miss a session because it's a lot of energy there and if you're not sleeping and you can stay up late and play and so you get wiped out. And so taking a little moment for yourself to miss a talk now and again to refresh and regroup is good too. I really appreciate my first conference was the SAS conference in LA and I met Cody there and I met Brittany there for the first time. And Brittany sort of took me under her wing in, at lunchtimes and made me feel included because I was sort of shy and wandering around not knowing anybody. And Brittany would say, hey, are you having lunch with anybody? Come join us. Did that both days there. And then Jason Charns did that for me in the evening. And I had dinner with, with those guys, Jason and Andrew. And then at the conference in Atlanta, Chris Oliver was really big about making sure that I was included in, in the plans in the evening. And I spent a lot of time hanging out with Cody as well there. And I appreciate those people in the community that that are more seasoned 
the ones that really make an effort to try to include those newer to the community. And thank you for that. So what's the current status of the Rails World application? Is it code complete? And then you go into maintenance mode going into the conference? Or are you still adding more code to it? Are you on call during the conference for it? What, what is the current status? So current status for the app is that, and anyone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we are 98% done. So it's 2%. It's all the like nice to haves for this MVP product. So we are kind of now getting into applying feedback that we've been getting from people who have tried the app and definitely getting more into maintenance mode. But I guess, at least for me, I'm still kind of waiting to see if anything blows up. I love that. Okay. Well, you've done here is just really cool. I think it's really great that Rails World created this opportunity for the four of you to get together and to be able to work on this meaningful project. It was very public facing. Again, this is a conference that sold out in 45 minutes and it is upcoming. We're like a month away from it. So that's extremely exciting. And regardless of whether or not folks were able to get tickets, people did go to the application to look at the schedule. Those keynotes and everything that comes out of the conference are going to make waves within our community. And so it just was a really cool opportunity. And it was really great to have all four of you on here to talk about it. So kudos to you. I do want to go around to each of you one at a time and just talk about how listeners can follow each of you. Yeah, I think Twitter is the best way to reach me. I'm at Yale Halvers, I believe. I'm sure the show notes will say otherwise if I said it wrong. But I think that's where I'm most active and best way to reach people. People can actually find me either on Twitter at shaming 941 or very surprising. I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but you're most likely to reach me at my LinkedIn. So at Shamitomita Rodriguez, there aren't a lot of Shamitomitas out there. So you'll, you'll find me. <laughs> For me, the best place is LinkedIn also. I don't really use other social media, so kind of straight away from them, but a distraction. So yeah, my LinkedIn is D. Rassner. I'm pretty sure or Dana Rassner. One of the two. Shouldn't be many people with my name either. We'll link it in the show notes. No worries. Yeah. And for me, I am currently still active on Twitter. So it's easy to find me there. Also, LinkedIn. Within the past couple of months, I've added a simple newsletter sign up to my personal website at CodyNorman.com. Just been sending out monthly updates. It seems to be a little bit more manageable for me. So that should be a good place to connect and follow what I'm doing. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you all so much for your time today. It was great to hear all of your stories. Kudos on the amazing app launch and have a great conference. Thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.